You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Welcome back, folks. You have indeed found yourself at the outer rim of all Star Wars podcasts. This is Two Sons of Tatooine. I'm one of your hosts, Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and I'm joined by my co-host Jonathan Cohn. As always, we're here today to talk about the final season one episode of The Bad Batch. <clears throat> the story left off last week as the Empire had pulled their troops out of Camino faster than Biden pulling troops out of Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> as Admiral Rampart bombarded what remained of Topoka City, we can indeed confirm that Jedi librarian Joe Costanu was now indeed correct in her assertion that the system of Camino does not exist. <laughs> Fortunately for us, our overlords at Disney have already revealed to us that season two is indeed coming. So any tension that the entire Bad Batch would be wiped out was non-existent. There were, however, questions about if there might be a casualty or two along the way, as well as what would be the outcome of Crosshair's reunion with his brothers. Uh, the finale, Camino Lost, had all of that and more. So, Jonathan... Care to give us your overall impressions of the episode? I thought it was um, not as big as it could have been, yet uh, I feel like as wrapping up this storyline, it did a very good job. It wrapped up everything we needed to with Kamino. It kind of wrapped up this chapter of the storyline with Crosshair and with the Batch. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And it left a few tidbits of potential for the future it didn't have darth vader walking out of a shuttle like rebels no and it did not have um uh cad bane uh (laughs) freeing zero the hut like clone wars season one and Mm. it didn't even have what resistance had which was a um uh the like in resistance season one ends with uh the the water station uh, going up into the air and becoming a space station, um, uh, which was a pretty big moment in that series. Hmm. So it didn't have anything quite like that, um, but still, it was. I thought it was a solid episode. I enjoyed it. Um, I had fun. Uh, the music was good. I mm-hmm. thought that the um, uh, the visuals were pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they continued to be. They continue to be. So, yeah, it was. Uh, and I have so many thoughts about that final planet, which I know we'll, we'll get to. But, mm-hmm. yeah, this I, I am. I am satisfied, but not. And I'm not. It's, it's, it could have been better. The general consensus, I, I think, among fans that I've spoken with is about the yeah. same as that. But while you're on the, the topic of the visuals, um, <clears throat> as I just kind of look back at the whole of the season, uh, yeah. one thing that I think we can all agree on was that this is a massive success for the visual t- storytelling elements and mm-hmm. the moments that we got. And, and I know that obviously we're talking about CG that has been developing since really the start of the clone wars. And yeah. even the art style has been developing since the beginning of that show in the late 2010 or two thousands. Yeah. 2008 mm-hmm. or so. And <clears throat> that, that really that art style has developed so considerably to show like the background details of the, the planets, the ship detail. And a lot of it is not just the ability for us computer-wise, but the team that worked on this artistically found great camera angles 
to show. Mm-hmm. Some of my particular favorite things across the season were like the interiors of the fall of the crash venator or crash ship that they were on. Yeah. Um, and being inside of the engine just was one of the coolest moments. Um, yeah. So many cool things that we got to see. Um, we 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 certainly saw some cities. We saw um, you know we were there on the Twi'lek world of um, Ryloth. Ryloth. We went to Raxus. Um, we saw. We went to uh, or, uh, or, Ordmantel, Ordmantel. I believe. And we saw uh, uh, Pantora. Yes, yes. So we got we got tons of tons of that. Um, I, you know, of course, the even the interiors of Sid's kind of bar and the and the planet itself just. It was very, very visually well done. I think as a, one of the biggest successes that I would say would be all of that beautiful art. I enjoyed visually. I was my eyes were entertained every episode. And I think yeah. the other thing we've already you've already mentioned was Kevin Kiner's music, and oh, he yeah. continued to top himself. This episode was gorgeous. Um, I would say some of the highlights for me were, were definitely on in the uh, couple episodes ago with all of the. Uh, a new hope music being thrown yeah. into the bass, man, yeah. was that cool or what? But there was a lot of um, a lot of the themes this episode were uh, motif wise and progression wise super similar to Ahsoka's music. To Ahsoka's yeah. theme, mm-hmm. if you if agree. you caught that too, I don't know if yeah. how much of you heard of that. I, I, I did get the same feeling that I got whenever something big was happening in Clone Wars or in Rebels with Ahsoka's character. So I, I feel that with you too. My my highlight music wise is still last episode him bringing back the Camino music. Well, that was we great. Gotten. That was great too. Yes, yeah. I, I want to agree with you there. That because was, they hadn't even he hadn't even used that. In the Clone Wars series, when they went to Kamino multiple times, mm. he didn't use it at all then. So I was like, it's been missing. We have, I have not heard that music in Star Wars storytelling of the sort since Attack of the Clones. Mm. So it felt so good to hear that again. And it was a brilliant moment because I think it was so directly associated, that particular theme to that planet. Yeah. That uh, to not use it would have been... It it would have been a mistake. It's just yeah. so so very well co- correlated between them. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I think there were really high points in this season, and for me, I still think the highest points of this season were towards the middle. Uh, yeah. The beginning was really strong, uh, the first episode anyway, and there was a little bit of a die down, and it built up really really high in the middle, and we had a slump again in the in the second half of the season, and it built back up towards the end. And I think it peaked an episode early. I think it peaked last, last episode. Yeah. And this episode was, you know, it was a trailing down. I would say <clears throat> in some ways as I think back to the final four episodes that we got of the final season of The Clone Wars, which if you remember, we had the final episode, Victory and De- Victory and Death or something like that. Um, yeah. That episode was shorter than all of the previous three episodes. and. Mm-hmm. There was really no dialogue from about the seventh minute on. There was about 12 minutes left or 13, 14 minutes of just things that happened without any talking, without anything. It was all visual storytelling. It was all wrapping up of things. But it was so emotionally deep. So just we didn't need that. And so even though it was short, it relied so strongly on those character moments of just the Ahsoka, even the, the, the dynamic of her burying every member and they still had the clone trooper masks with their own the you know the paint on the on the helmets mm-hmm. just yeah. so when i compare that to this 
and I realized that was a f- series finale. And yeah. we're not we're not having that. So obviously, I, my expectations were not to that level. I don't think yours were either. I don't yeah. think most. Oh no, were. no 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 no. But I think their plan was: hey, we're going to develop the character of Crosshair and their bond and their their brotherly, really the conflict that's been building to all season long. That's going to be the payoff. And I think they they fell flat on that because they banked everything on that. And it wasn't that that wasn't good. It was that they banked too much on it, and they hadn't developed it. But think about it. If if we had gotten, if the episode was exchanged, some of these characters to ones that we're slightly more invested in, and you, you substitute in a, maybe an Ahsoka, or you bring in you know even a, a Darth Maul, or whoever else might have been more emotionally attached to, if they had been the sur- subject of this, I think that formula, the formula at least of the episode, in the way that it's designed, would have been a little bit more paid off. But yeah, I would say that the difference is that it, I have had heard so many people online complain about the cameos. And you know me, I love references to other things, so I'm happy with cameos. Seeing Cad Bane, seeing um, Fennec Shand, mm-hmm. seeing, um, uh, you know, all these different characters was great. But so many people were complaining that it just felt like, even like bringing back Hera, people felt like it was, oh, there's just doers doing highlights of previous shows, which I didn't feel that way. But then when we got to this episode, and it really was just focused on the characters from this show people are like no we wanted characters from other shows and i'm like we can never win with 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 this with the fans because either you want more characters of references or you want fewer mm-hmm. and to me i'm like the other char- the episodes that used all those other characters that they brought in it was necessary for those episodes to me this season finale if this was a series finale i I'd, I'd agree with you that it felt flat to me it just felt like it, it felt normal. Like they, they landed the plane. They didn't do anything overly dramatic that like there was overly shocking or anything, but they, they did what they were supposed to do. There was a potential, like I, I feel like they shouldn't have included Ahsoka or Vader or anything. <clears throat> I think they should have just, um, uh, spent a little bit more time with them arguing back and forth or had, uh, uh, Hunter save crosshair another time or something like it needed that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily another another character at the end. Well, this one, okay, yeah, yeah. When it comes to Crosshair, and I know probably people are are already saying the same thing, but we like him. We we want to understand more about him, but we haven't gotten we haven't gotten a look at his real he, inside of his head and his motivations. I'm still yeah. asking those questions, and he hasn't. And I know he's the type of person who doesn't really give those answers. And mm-hmm. so, so, okay, well, show us then. But we haven't seen... Uh, he's got to be asking himself the questions of, what am I going to do in the Empire now? And it, it's almost like, okay, well, I, I don't care. I just don't care. I don't, you know, I don't have any kind of alignment with their ideals. I just want to be a soldier, and they need soldiers, and they're going to be the winning side. So, I mean, I'm going to join them. Uh, there, there was no, there's no argument for us to, to talk about at that point. Like, what are we going to talk about? Like, if you and I had been left with this, oh gosh, man, if they like he, Crosshair made his argument. If only they had had time to tell him, like, or if only they had known that Rex was developing this army. You know, there wasn't that setup there that, that we were like, yeah. man, there's, they might have a chance the, to convince him later. It doesn't have quite the hook for future seasons. 
that some of the other shows have in the same way, whether it's plot-wise or character-wise. Like, yeah, we still want Crosshair to come back, and yeah, we want to see what happens to the badge, but we don't have, like, that hook, necessarily. However, I don't necessarily think it needed that much of a hook yet, um, uh, based off the way that they built this season. Um, uh, I think they actually, in fact, gave us quite enough um, even if my theories are wrong, I still think that what they gave us at the end was enough of a hook. But I feel like they, th- this was rather than the you, you wanted things to be more open ended with the way that it ended with like questions to be raised. I was hoping for questions to be answered more so it to be closed off and like completed more. Mm-hmm. So I was OK with with how it ended in that way. But I wanted to pivot away from that discussion to talk about the, um, uh, the, the moment where you just see Camino, the Tomoka the, the City, just falling. And you see, hear them saying, all right, we got to make it to the top of this thing. And you already know it's underwater. I was like, oh, man, I felt so bad for them because I was like, they don't know that they're already, mm-hmm. they're already submerged. At that point, I was actually thinking... The safest parts of this place are going to be the parts that were made to be underwater. That is the safest place to be. So let's go down. And then those places, they're already going to have like escape shuttles or whatever that are underwater built into Mm -hmm. those those down there. Now, we could get buried under something, but they're also made to stand a lot of pressure from the water. So I'm thinking if it was me, that would be where I would gone, you know, and they kind of did that. It didn't exactly work out. Um, I, I think that, you know, we <laughs> we did not really pay that off. I Just the whole escape part of it. I mean, it was it was fine. It was fine, but it wasn't great. There wasn't this. I mean, even the, the frankly, the scene where they like pulled crosshair and they pull Omega both out when yeah. you when you are. <laughs> when you're pulling to like a room that is full of water, there's no way that they're able to get those doors back shut after they pull them out. Like that is not how that works. You know, yeah. like the physics of that. They have, they have, they have Wrecker. Pull- he's, he's super strong. We'll just go with that. Uh, it bothered me to the degree that it pulled me out of the episode because I thought yeah. that's not realistic. See, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't occur to me. So, I mean, I watched it twice. I was like, wait, what? That just, that was so convenient. And I thought it was lazy storytelling, lazy writing in that term. Like put them in, you just had to put them in some kind of peril to to fill up time. And now what about the sea monster? I kind of liked the sea monster. Yeah, that was fun. I like the idea of the sea monster anyway. I mean, there's always a bigger fish. It's such a throwback. It's such a prequel thing. Like I loved it. It was a cool design. Uh, yeah, but uh, yet again, it was like, okay, here's the scenario: danger, gotta escape. Okay, next scenario: another danger, gotta escape. But there was never like the who's the villain here? Rampart, he wasn't pursuing them the way that like the tension. Yeah. I don't know. All of these are complaints that I have as far as the writing of the the structure of the episode. Yeah, and I I, I got that. We've become so used to Darth Vader fighting Ahsoka in season two of Rebels or Thrawn destroying um, the Rebels fleet in season three of Rebels or the um, uh, season finale four episodes of Clone Wars 
um, or something like we've become so used to that, that we want so much more from things and we're getting more used to it. So anything that's less than that is automatically we feel even if it's done okay as as this episode was like like structurally it was fine we because we were so used to the big the the, the, the small is mm-hmm. is frustrating to us so i, I do understand that well um, would you agree that the point of this well in the, anyway the, the the ending of this arc is camino is over that's the point right yeah, yeah. so um and they may have done a better job with this if they decided to do a few more things to to emphasize that like for instance um the the clone trooper who we see on you know addressing rampart on the ship um to show more clone troopers reactions even if you don't ever show them that would have been good not even taking their helmets off just as they kind of stand and watch um and showing us in fact how many are actually left and just seeing them watch it and then maybe seeing some clones like almost turn their heads and kind of like look around and like what am I doing? Where am I? Like, yeah, is this really like, this is what's happening right now. And that could have actually that been nice. I, I would have wanted that. I, I, that's just a, a, an instance of, if that's my objective to show Camino's over, then the emotional weight of that can be emphasized by the, the people who live there. And I don't know, surely maybe, star Wars loves to do this. Show us some Camino and children or something. Show us some like, you know, that are like, as they're, <laughs> like in some kind of shuttle being like taken and re- removed and resettled by the yeah. empire. I don't know. Like I said this last time that when you see the, 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 the baby things, uh, the baby pods that we saw empty in the last episode, and we see them all being submerged and destroyed in this episode, this would have been too dark for a kid's show, but yeah. if they had still shown the, 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 the clones in development in there, it would have gone super, and like you, it would have really. Before it's just, oh, it's just this. This tube is being destroyed. Who's hmm. so sad? But there's life being destroyed. Mm-hmm. That I think that would have. That's 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 where I would have beefed up the episode a little bit more. Add something like that. Yeah, um, and uh, all it would have taken maybe is a comment from Omega, like, you know, it's like you know, saying you like saying people. like, I remember. When you looked like that wrecker, you know? oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. So that actually leads me to the. Um, there was an interesting bit of dialogue we got. Crosshair speaks to Omega, kind of. Well, she, she clearly uh, he's condescending in that yeah. she's she she shouldn't be giving them orders. She shouldn't be making the plans, and you know I, she's grown a ton, uh, but he's yeah. not been around to see that. And that's when we get uh, the comment that she's actually older than the whole of the bad batch mm-hmm. she she's revealed to be um so at this point let me just ask you a question because um how old do you think she is omega uh, i'd say probably about 12 maybe maybe 13 nah, maybe not that probably i'd say about 11 or 12 is my, is my guess. i don't think she's hit a growth spurt yet of any kind mm-hmm. um so I, I don't think she's any older than 12 probably yeah. Maybe maybe eleven or something like that. I think between ten and twelve is where she probably has to be in age, yeah. and so that puts you know all of the bad batch at since we know they age twice as fast in their early twenties, which yeah. they appear to be. Now that's if like think about it this way: 
how would she remember them if she was like maybe two or three years old? She's probably going to have to be three or four years old before she starts to realize. Yeah. So here's my theory. Um, this may sound ridiculous. I think it's possible Omega has a reverse aging gene where she ages half as quickly. Oh, that's that would be interesting. I, I don't I don't think it's plausible. Because I, I think that they've already pretty much said now she just doesn't have it. Um, maybe. Uh, I'm just throwing I, it out there because based off of what I've heard, like for her to remember them, like if they're still teenagers, the bad batches as far as age and physical yeah. development that they doesn't they do not look like oh, that. Well, that's, not that's at all. where I, that's this is where I think is when they say like the double aging. I don't think it's like two to one. Like exactly, for every one year you grow, you get two years of development. I think it's like roughly two. Maybe it's two point four. Maybe it's two point five. But they're just mm-hmm. saying, oh, we do it in half the time like mm-hmm. that. So it's like it's not an exact thing. So she may be she they may be 8 years old physically but they're 25 because they age closer to 3 times rather than 2 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think it's like an exact 2 to 1. Okay. Well, and that is a throwaway line. So if yeah. we remove that, I, I get that. I'm just thinking you know, this is a cool thing that they could have. Yeah, that would be that would be an interesting th- way because then that would mean that like it would take her so long to develop. Like she'd be older, but it just means it takes her so long to get to get out older. Yeah. Um, anyway, if the if the theme of next season is going to heavily explore more of the cloning things, which mm-hmm. all we have to go off of really right now is that yes. there's a cloning facility that uh, Nala Say is taken to and. Uh, that the Empire is going to use her as a scientist. And yes. we know that, obviously, Grogu would be, I'm thinking maybe 20 years old at something, something like that at this point. This is like 30 years before Mandalorian in the timeline. Uh, yeah. It's about, it's about 19 yeah, years. Yeah, 25. 19 25 before years. the Battle of Yavin. And then, and then six then years. Six years between that and Return of the Jedi, and then about five more. Oh, sorry. It's, it's four years after Return of the Jedi and six years to... Um, uh, to yeah, so Mandalorian yeah, about, about thirty. It's, it's 30 about years thirty. Later. Yeah, I'm thinking it's about yeah. thirty. So Grogu's probably there, a twenty year old baby, um, and it's possible that we get introduced to them. I'm just trying to think timeline and age. So I think what we that, could see theoretically. Okay, so here's uh, here's where I'll go in is with with this theory. We're talking about that that facility we see at the end of the episode, which by the way, I think that should have been a post credit scene. They should have ended the episode with crosshair looking out and then they should have mm-hmm. had the the bad batch theme and then they should have had that little thing as an addendum they really should have had some kind of like dialogue following crosshair from the batch like omega saying i'm not giving up on on him Rekka, you know <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna save him you know yeah, or something yeah, like but we'll, we'll keep af- but yeah Go ahead. But the but the facility, I I would put my money down that it will connect with the Mandalorian and with the whole Filoni storytelling. For one, because we saw that um, uh, the patch, which is the same patch, the the Kaminoan cloning patch that we saw that the guy has in Mandalorian season one and season two. So we know that that at least is a connection. And I think that knowing Filoni, since he likes to tie things in, he'll probably explain those types of facilities. Mm-hmm. When I first saw the facility, I thought, this is, this is my crazy theory. I don't think it's possible. 
the the planet from Mandalorian that has the ash and the the volcanic everything. What if it wasn't always like that? What if that planet had nice, beautiful, um, uh, snowy mountains and everything, and then some sort of volcanic thing within the planet can't happened, causing total devastation? And the facility that we saw is somehow the remnant. Uh, is, is the original facility, and in Mandalorian, we're seeing the remnant of that facility. Don't think it's likely that, but that was hmm. one area my mind went to when I first saw it. Um, uh, but I think I, I, I definitely would put money on it connecting somehow with that. You and I, I shared with you this video the theory that it could connect into the Thrawn trilogy that a lot of people believe they're trying to make. I don't necessarily know. If Filoni, and specifically, I'm more worried about whether Favreau would want to make that trilogy a canon version of it. Mm. Filoni would have a fun time because he's stated he read the books, he loved them, that's why he brought in Thrawn and Rebels. But Mm. I don't know if that's his end goal, and I really don't know if that's Favreau's end goal. But let's just say it is. For, for theory's sake, if that's the end goal, this is the perfect way to introduce a planet like Waveland, which had the mountain uh, facil- cloning facilities that were under the position of the Emperor. And we know that the facilities in Mandalorian kind of have some sort of connection to the Emperor's facilities that he uses in Rise of Skywalker. So that that all would, would f- flow together. Just the question of, is it going to be that that's a facility that's under Thrawn's control? Is that a facility that they're going to revisit in live action? That much, I don't know yet, but I like that idea. I think that they're just going to tell a whole new, brand new, totally different version of the Thrawn trilogy. Whereas, instead of having Luke, Han, and Leia as the, the main cast, the mm-hmm. main cast is going to be Mando, and Din Djarin, and Ahsoka, and uh, uh, what's her name? The, the redhead. Uh, oh. uh, Bo-Katan. Oh, I thought you were going to say, because they just cast, or they put out a casting news for Sabine Wren. We got word this see. week that they're that they're casting the role of uh, Sabine Wren. Like, I don't, apparently, I don't like, know. they put out a casting call for, but we don't know who. I don't, I don't know the, I don't know the, I'll, I'll be interested in looking that I, one I up, saw a couple YouTubers but, cover that they were casting yeah. the role, so I wouldn't, uh, uh, I wouldn't uh, be surprised uh, for them to cast it. I wouldn't be surprised for them to cast that. I'm just not not sure with whether it's legitimate. But yeah, that would make sense. And so I think that they're just kind of re. It's not just going to be like a retelling of the story. It's going to be a totally different version of what the Thrawn trilogy could have been. Hmm. Well, it's not going to fit in the timeline. You know, Thrawn's distinct absence during the original trilogy events is to blame for that. Um, the fact that he's introduced prior to you know, and then. Obviously, well, this uh, so far we match up that the, about the time that he left in Rebels is about the time that he left in the Legends timeline as well, and about the time that he would show up in Mandalorian. Like if we're talking about five, six years after, mm-hmm. that's about the same amount of time that he's gone and then comes back after Return of the Jedi and that. So it all the timeline would match up like that. Okay, <clears throat> that is conveniently. Well, maybe, maybe. That's why a lot of people were. But that's why a lot of people, when Rebels happened, before we even had live action, when Rebels ended and he goes off into the unknown regions, people were like, what? That's exactly where he ended in Legends. And they're like, are they trying to bring that back into the canon? Which also, let's think about, we've been talking about, we have the Essential Legends collection 
from uh, the books where they're re-releasing Legends books as uh, audiobooks as unabridged because a lot of the Legends books were abridged audiobooks, so you only got like a third of the story. Now you're getting the full story, mm. and they're releasing them in trade paperback and with new covers and all this new stuff. And they were very specific to choose the books <clears throat> that they wanted to choose. And, of course, we know we're getting Kenobi eventually because the Kenobi show is happening. We know mm-hmm. we're getting Darth Plagueis because they'll want to do something with Darth Plagueis eventually. And they're, they redid the whole Thrawn trilogy this year, which makes you think, when is... Why, why would they... I mean, that's the best-selling Star Wars books of all time, but why would you s- launch that? And I think that's because it's going to have some sort of greater significance. Hmm. Well, I, I certainly hope that the, the theories kind of line up and the video you had sent me seems to suggest, well, well that at least it's possible. Yeah, it's I, possible. I want more if Thrawn. If that doesn't happen, I really I just care. want more Thrawn. I don't, yeah. I don't think a character like Thrawn is, is somebody that people are going to, like, mess up easily. There's so much scrutiny around him. There's, there's so many people who love the character, and they've done so well, at least in Rebels, they've done so well at originally crafting him. I would say he seems a little bit more antagonistic than the books make him out to be in, well, in the I show Rebels. He, but Yeah, I would say that he, he's more antagonistic in legends. the original, in, in the Legends um, original Thrawn trilogy. But you look at Outbound Flight, which is before anything we've seen him in, Outbound Flight, which was, you know, Clone Wars, before the Clone Wars era. Mm. In that book, he's also, a, which is Legends, He's also a good guy, so it seems to reason that like, in like there's like this change where he becomes more evil, um, uh, and of course there is the thing of Zahn wants to make him good, and the the story team wants to make him bad, and I think there's a way that they could make him absolutely villainous and make us still root for him in the hmm. in the live action stuff, and I think that's I think that's what they're going for. He would be. The most compelling way to go. I, everybody's talking about yeah. how he's going to be the Thanos. We were we yeah. were talking about that we immediately. That, yeah. Like mm-hmm. so, everybody else is just getting on our same bandwagon. But yeah. <laughs> but I hope. And Thanos was a very sympathetic villain. He yeah. was he was somebody that people went, you know, I kind of understand his motives, even mm-hmm. though like other people would be like, well, that's not how like resources work. You know, you can't just yeah. snap away half of everything. Like. You're going to do more harm than good if you take away half of this. You know, you're going to kill yeah. so many people as a result of that. You know, it's not like all of a sudden all of the supply routes, but that's a other. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. It's it's the the concept of Thanos. You know, Thrawn kind of does fit uh, because he's a character that is not a true villain. In he's not mm-hmm. he doesn't see himself as a villain yeah. ever, and Thanos and- doesn't see himself as a villain either. And one thing that with Thrawn is that they're building him up in much the same way of the, the Ahsoka's line, where's Thrawn, which is all we have in the live action stuff, is about as much as we got in the first Avengers movie, which was just seeing the Thanos turn around on screen. Hmm. Like, like, if you think about that, that's if we're just limiting the live action, not talking about the animated shows or books, just live action, that's about, we're about at the era of where the first... The first mm-hmm. Avengers happened. We're not yet to the mm-hmm. Infinity War endgame level. And Thanos had his post credit scene in Age of Ultron, and he had his appearance in Guardians of the Galaxy. So we still have time for them to build up Thrawn before we get to him being the main big bad. Well, in my mind, since I don't want him to be the big bad, 
I can picture a split in the empire that he leads, joins the new, or joins with the new republic to yeah. fight against that outer region, lost space villain, either the Grisks or the Yuzhan Vong or whoever. Yeah. But that would be more of my scenario. Although, I mean, if they just decide he's going to be the villain, I'm going to still love it and he'll be made into this awesome villain. The most bold thing they could do if they're going to borrow from Legends is to make you think you're going to get the Thrawn trilogy and then introduce the Yuzhan Vong or something like that. And now mm-hmm. you're not just doing the Thrawn trilogy, you're also adding in the whole New Jedi Order or something like that. Mm. Like, throw off, like, t- because this, so far, as, as we said, we, we, were the, we were very early saying, oh yeah, it's going to be, um, uh, Thrawn's going to be the big bad, he's, or he's going to be the, the Thanos. But to change that, to make him a good guy, and to then throw something even worse at our characters, that would be bold. But I don't think that's where they're going. I think, and I, like, I'm, I'm going to say 70-30 is my pr- pr- prediction, 70% chance that Thrawn is going to be the big bad. Mm-hmm. And I say 30% chance he turns. Hmm. So. Hmm. Well, we I'm, can only I'll hope. To, it's, it's so we'll unrelated sort of to bet. the band. It's so unrelated yeah. to the Bad Batch. Now. We chased from the, the post-credits, well, before credits. Not even post-credits. <laughs> From there to, you know, Grogu to Mandalorian to Thrawn um, and some of the timeline stuff. But yeah, so when we're talking about this episode, you know, I think a lot of people overall, they're wanting more of that other stuff. But if we look at it in terms of just this season and the characters, were you satisfied with what the ending was? Yeah. Okay. I think... It, within the context of their main story, we're still not wrapping it up. I felt like they only gave us a, like a, a okay, here's a band-aid on it for the end of the season. There wasn't any resolution yeah. to the crosshairs. Like, I don't know that he's going to pursue them, and I don't even know why he pursued them if this is the way that he felt. He seemed yeah. to recant a lot of what he, what, like, what kind of, like, passion that he had for wanting them dead and saying to the, you know, to Rampart, you know, I need to hunt and kill them. These, you know, well, that just doesn't line up with the way, with the things that he said here, where he even in last episode where he's like, you know, you didn't give me a chance. <laughs> I don't know. Did you feel that I'm way at saying, all? I'm just saying they have to have something for season two. Did you so. feel that way though? Did you feel that way? No, not really. I felt I it ended as much as I kind of ex- either expected or was was okay with. Either they were going to redeem Crosshair, um, and he was going to join them, or they were not going to redeem him, and they were going to part ways. And we'll see where it goes after this. Yeah. I wasn't expecting the much more than what we got. I was this was on par for what I expected. Well, I don't know that I don't know that the Empire will accept Crosshair, and even if they do, I think it's a big mistake to let him go. What does that tell yeah. them? That the Bad Batch survived. Crosshair was with the Bad Batch. Yeah. If he shows up, even if he doesn't say, ever, you know, hey, well, they, they survived, the Empire is going to know the Bad Batch survived, and thus they're going to be on their tail, which means basically that they're not going to have the freedom to go and interact with, say, Rex without Rex possibly catching fire as well. Rex, as far as we know, is Rex is under the radar. Um, yeah. But the Bad Batch is not, and this is their chance to to disappear. 
and to hopefully get out of the you know get out of the scenario where they're on the run constantly and maybe even can do some jobs for I don't know for Sid get some get some more resources and I don't know where but we certainly didn't get any of the teas as far as the rebellion goes. You would have loved it if we had gotten some rebellion teas. If we had gotten some yeah. of those characters. Yeah, but I was, it's too early. It's too early for that. It's too early for that, but we, what I had pitched was that there might have been a previous rebellion before that rebellion. Yeah. And that that would have failed and kind of snuffed out like the early rebellion and that maybe the Bad Batch was a part of might, that. And we might still get that in Season 2 in the Season 2 premiere. We just didn't get it in the Season 1 finale. Hmm. And I'm just like, yeah. So why do you think they didn't? They they left it so open ended. Because they're just because I think that they oh they tied it up enough that we're not like they did because I think that they still have to figure out like of course we said Dave Filoni is is like he created the series but he's not like actively involved in all of it. I think that they're still trying to find the long-term footing of the series and he's still giving them the big stuff but he's not giving them everything so I think that they're just trying to tie up what they can within a season. Also remember that this thing is made years in advance. They started on this back in 2019 so they may not have entirely known everything that they were going to get for how much season 2 was going to be, whether they would be able to continue to use the clones and stuff like that. So they probably only filled up what they were allowed to fill up at the time and then whatever they in season two is that's what they were allowed to tell at that point hmm. I, I, possibly the time could limit them but they probably had at this point knowledge and, and maybe resources to add something in if they if they really wanted to yeah. um I, I think that by them being so ambivalent amb- is that the word Ambiv- no uh uh, uh that's ambiguous Ambiguous, that's the word. With the direction of season two, I mean, we didn't know the direction of season one. And for, I would say the same for Mandalorian. We didn't, we didn't have a clue going in that Grogu was going to show up. Um, yeah. But, you know, we get such a clear direction with the start of that. I think it's, I think, when I ask myself, okay, what's the con, what's the con, um, what is the result of Crosshair joining them or not joining them? What's the join them? Right, right, right. But what is the <laughs> what is the end result of either of those things? And it's it's not very significant. Yet it's not like it's not like he's going to make a big difference either way. He he's not ingratiated with the empire at all. So I don't expect that he would have had like tons of you know not you know some kind of secret plans that are going to help you know take down the empire. It's not that. I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe maybe this is super important to later on. I don't know. But I just don't feel like there was a lot of weight to it, whether he stayed stayed or went. And I know, okay, well, Omega and the other guys are going to be sad, but they've made the whole season without him, and they're pretty good on their own, even though they were sure they would welcome him back. But, like, I, I still feel like it would have been a more fulfilling thing for Crosshair to have joined them. And I would have been more excited oh, yeah. about season two. I would have, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I get that. I, I just, still think that because, yeah, I'm just, I'm just like, as I said, like at this point, I think we should give our, our ratings for the episode. Mm-hmm. I give it a eight, maybe a 7.5, but like it's the, yeah, mm. yeah, 
It's okay. the, it's the, I liked it. I, I, of course, had things I wanted it to do. But overall, I'm positive about it. Hmm. Well, I'm going to give it a five and a half. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a bit more cl- closer down to the... But you're still positive overall. Like, you're not, you're not entirely negative What's about your it. ranking for the entire season one? There's the there's I was I knew we were gonna have to go here so here's how I'll we didn't say. talk about this so I don't know okay so well that's like there's two things so I'll sit do my rating and then I'll do a ranking so my rating is for the whole season one actually let me go back um, first I want to rank all the se- all the first seasons of the different shows <laughs> we've gotten because I can give you uh, an example from there so okay, here's so what I'll say rate Rebels Clone Wars. Resistance in this? I'll, yeah, I'll include Resistance. You don't have to because you I haven't, haven't seen, seen it. But Resistance. I'll say it. Resistance, I think, gets like a 6.0 out of 10. Like, I had some really great moments across the season that I liked, some good storylines, but it was it was weak overall. Mm-hmm. Clone Wars Season 1, I would put next. Clone Wars Season 1 had some amazing episodes, but it was not cohesive at all. They did not know where they were going with the storyline, other than that they had Ahsoka involved. So... Clone Wars, I would say, is like uh, 7 to 7.5, somewhere in there. I would give Rebels Season 1 higher than Clone Wars because at least with Rebels, I feel like it was more cohesive and they knew where they were going. So I'd give Rebels an 8.0 for the whole season. So therefore, er, for Bad Batch, for a first season, I would give it a 9.0 as a whole season. It's been the most cohesive. It has had the best highs for me um, uh, emotionally. And also, I feel like they've um, uh, they've include they they've they've followed the tight knit characters of the Bad Batch, whereas Clone Wars they went everywhere, and with Rebels they followed the tight knit, but they didn't didn't do it as well. So I still give it a 9.0 for the whole season. And I think um, the sh- comparing it to those shows may be, it may be fair in one sense, but in another sense it's not fair. And here's why. The, when you think about those shows, they weren't receiving the original or the, the, like, the direct attention of all of the Star Wars fan base the way that this show has. Like I'm talking the YouTube community has absolutely boomed since The Force Awakens came out. There's yeah. been a huge, like, it's, it's flourished. Yeah. And, yes, I would say even at, through The Last Jedi, the Star Wars YouTube community, and really we can include Reddit and all social media together. And yeah. the social media, it's just made us a, a, a more tighter-knit group, and there's more Star Wars podcasts now than ever. But yeah. th- through all of that, there's so much more attention on this show. And I would say the, the audience is older, even though, yes, it's for kids, I would say. Of Bad Batch, this this show is yeah. directly it's directly aimed at a mixed audience, and we acknowledge mm-hmm. that, and that's why we make some allowances in that knowing you know the live action Star Wars is going to be generally for a bit older audience. Anyway, yeah. I think that it's not fair because if I were to go back and watch season one of the Clone Wars, um, and then of of Rebels, and you know with every episode sit there and have to do a review and spend an hour talking about. <laughs> You yeah, know, okay, I, I would, get that. But at the same time, I'm still, even with those rankings I gave, I still felt the same way. Like, at the time of Clone Wars, I felt the same way. I would have given it, like, an 8.0. Mm-hmm. 
or a seven point seven point five or whatever I said. I would give it the same rating about back then that I would have here. I gave Rebels the eight point and I felt the same way with that season, and same with Resistance, which was after that Force Awakens period, but still, mm-hmm. Resistance, like all those shows. You take me back to when they came out. I still give it the same rating, mm-hmm. so I still feel the same way. If I had to go back and review the Clone Wars the same way as I had to review Bad Batch, you know, and I don't, and I don't feel like they need to adjust their storytelling because the the fan base has changed like that. To me, they just need to tell their storytelling because they're just telling the stories. Like they don't have to do it because like the the idea of well the fans are doing this week by week, so you have to make have to have the excitement at the end of each episode to propel you into the next one. Like, I don't feel like that's as necessary Mm -hmm. in the same way because to me, that should have been your case, whether the fan base was on YouTube and Reddit (laughs) or not. Right. Well, I'll just say when I was watching star Wars, clone wars on cartoon network in the, you know, in 2010, for example, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there watching a new episode. I am not treating it on the same level of seriousness that I am treating this show. Not even close. Like, there is okay. not the there is not the interlocking world, and I almost view it as second rate Star Wars, and it got so much better and grew to oh, be yeah. such an integral part that we went back and we looked at those first couple of seasons and episodes of them in a totally different light yeah. because of the success later on. I'm hoping that Bad Batch will even improve to that level, and I think it will. And we'll look I back at this moment with Crosshair and think that was so big, that was such a great moment. And it's totally possible that we'll have that later on. I, I hope yeah. we do. But for me, with with what we are looking at, you know, like let's say Mandalorian season two, and looking at it in the same lens as we did that, which oh well, that's, that's Mandalorian a season two was ooh, that's a different way to view it. It was it was yeah, but that's but that's live action. It is, and I'm I'm not even thinking about the live action <laughs> ranking. So. That I mean, and in that sense, it's not going to because these are all because these are all animated shows, and I'm still thinking of them in that way. Yeah. If we're including Mandalorian, obviously Mandalorian takes the cake as the number one. The rescue is is a finale type episode that gave fans. But that wasn't emotion. a season one finale. No, that was not a season. No, we're talking about season. We're talking about but season even, one. Even the season one finale of of clone or of of Mandalorian was. Yeah. I mean, phenomenal. We're getting the dark saber. We're sitting there going, "Holy yeah. crap! Oh, dark saber! This could open up the door to Bo-Katan. Yeah. This could but open again, up the door to Mandalorian." About, think about the whole. Think about the whole season of Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. We were very, we were very happy. We didn't have a single episode where we dipped below a 5.0 um, rating. Of no, one. and and I would not rate it. I would not rate it anywhere in the in the in the five range. Yeah, that's why I I'm think, saying that. Like as a season. There were episodes of Rebels and episodes of Clone Wars that I that dipped well below the but 5.0 if you, if you, range for me. And I don't remember my episode rankings for every episode of this season. But if I went back yeah. and averaged them and took every episode as the flat average, you're going to have a 9 or above for the first episode or two. And then a dip down to the 7, 8 range. There's yeah. some episodes. And then back in the middle of the season, it's going to go back up to that 9. And even I think I rated some episodes like 9.5. Because um, mm-hmm. I really loved him, and then dip. And overall, I feel like this is a seven and a half season one. If I'm just raging and a mean of every single ranking of every single episode, I don't think seven and a half is unfair. I think it could be it could be as high as eight and a half. It could be as low as it could be as low as seven. Way. 
Yeah. Um, this is not a six and a half show. People that are saying six and a half, they're they're going based off of their expectations for the finale, and they're yeah. they're a little bit emotional mm-hmm. about that. And I, I understand that because I rated the finale a five and a half. Um, <laughs> um, but overall, if you if you tell me you know to to watch this again straight through episode to episode, I think it would have a great time. I think yeah. it'd be a great time. And now here's how here's the next question. Then how did you compare it to the first season of Rebels and Clone Wars? Okay. Given the caveat that that you view it differently with the YouTube Reddit community, with with Star Wars Clone Wars season one. There are episodes that I dread watching, you know, <laughs> and there yeah. are, there are some episodes of this that I'm not as excited about watching, but they're going to be okay. I think yeah. it's I think overall there's there's definitely um, more to this than any of the other season ones. I don't think that they are nearly the ranking that you gave them. You gave yeah. you give Rebels an eight, and I think season one of Rebels, you know. Ezra annoys me to death, you know. <laughs> See, he doesn't. He doesn't annoy me. So he that annoys doesn't... me quite a bit. But yeah. all, a lot of the characters annoy me at first, um, and and you get used to them. You know, Chopper's always great. Zeb's always yeah. great. But um, some of them, it just takes more time. And by season three, Ezra is at that point so much. He's grown so much that yeah. um, it's it's less anyway. So I still think that. For me, Rebels, Clone Wars season one, about the on par. Haven't seen Resistance to compare it, but the Bad Batch is great. For season one, it could, it, from person to person, it could be anywhere from a seven to an eight and a half. And for you, you liked it as much as to give it a nine. And uh, and I'll say I'll say that I didn't do the rating entirely the same as you did because if I did the average, the mean of all my my ratings, yeah, it'd probably be an eight or maybe an eight and a half. But when I think about how I feel about the season as a whole. I was very happy with it. It did a lot of stuff I wanted to do. It didn't feel like it strayed too much. And even the episodes where it did stray, it got back on track really quickly. So that's why I feel like it is such a strong show. And like the highs of it, the nine and nine and a half episodes with Cad Bane, mm-hmm. with the, the, the Crash Venators, with the opening episode, with last episode, those episodes make up mm-hmm. really strongly for the week. And that's ones. what I'm going to tell people. I'm going to say yeah. there are some really great stuff like this is a, yeah. this is Star Wars. It's a, it's in moments of this, you're going to feel like you're going to feel like you do the, when you're watching a new hope. You're going to feel that same way yeah. at a few places in this show. And that's great. And I hope that every I mean that's the goal. I think that there's other aspects like behind the scenes. We're we're talking about like the Disney people. We're talking about the Lucasfilm people. We're talking about yeah. that. We're talking about questions like why did they why did they make the episode so short? We were, frankly, we were we were having expectations based off of I think the first episode being sixty minutes or nearly an hour long. Uh, I wasn't expecting because this was a two part episode. Because it was, if you think about it, it's two parts. Was, we did get a, we did get an hour long finale or 40, 45 minutes maybe. But if because the it really was in two parts. As fans they said. were expecting longer. They were expecting of longer. Well, they shouldn't have been because I wasn't expecting it. I was fully expecting exactly what we got with this. The first episode was a surprise. This getting was that a seventy sh- minutes. This was the shortest episode of the season. Yeah, but I mean, we. Yeah, <laughs> and That's fans okay. were going into it thinking, "Well, the finale, we're going to get a bit, a little bit longer, a little bit more meat." That you know, the finale, big things can happen. Characters can die. 
I was upset that the droid got saved. And even though I kind of liked the way that Crosshair did it, I was like, well, you're the only character going to kill us this droid. I mean, okay, I'll take it. But yeah. no, they didn't even let the droid stay dead. So, uh, well, there was no, there was no consequence. There was no permanence. What's the consequence? Uh, that was a, that was the word I was looking for earlier with Crosshair. What's the cro- what's the consequence if Crosshair joins him or, or doesn't join so, him? So so it's it's kind of like Callus season two of um uh of uh Rebels where he has seen how the rebellion treats their own people and has gotten a taste of it and is still in the back of his mind and he's still thinking no nah, the Empire is it for me that's where I belong that's where I'll stay but there's a little bit part of him na- that's nagging him and Omega's line of uh, you're still their brother. You're still my brother. Mm-hmm. That line is the part that's going to stick with him. That's going to, it's going to be nagging at him. And in season two or three, we're going to see him turn. I feel confident saying that now. Mm. It's going to happen. Like they're planting the seeds. They're not, they're not overt that he's turning, but it's coming. So who would you say is the main character of Bad Batch? Uh, I think that they have two main characters. It's not a single main character. I'd say the two main characters are Hunter and Omega. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. And then uh, Wrecker is the B-level character, and then Tech and Echo are the C-level characters, I'd say. Maybe, I think Tech's gotten more moments than Echo has overall. Would so you say, say Crosshair maybe, is a B-level? B, the Crosshair is, uh, he's an antagonist. So not in the same way. He's. We kept asking who our big bad was going to be, and we're like, is it going to be somebody besides Rampart, or you know? Yeah, we. So I, I am. I am disappointed that we haven't gotten more of that. But then again, it makes sense because if they had, if they had it, if they, if they had turned Crosshair, all we would have is Rampart as our villain. That's it. So at least now going into season two, we can still have Crosshair potentially being a thorn in their side. We, he probably won't be, but that's a potential there. So it's kind of like when they killed off um, Snoke in Last Jedi, it's like, well, you have, to hang, you have to keep Kylo. They couldn't kill Snoke and Kylo because then there's no one for the third movie. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, they brought in Sidious, but still, like, you needed someone to be antagonistic mm-hmm. for, the, for the third act. This is just the first act. So to lose the villains would be bad. Yeah, and we don't want to get onto that subject because that'll lead us down a road that we don't want to go. (laughs) Well, one of us, it'll lead us down that road. Anyway, that's a different subject. Actually, I should tell you, I should tell you, um, my friend, our friend uh, who recorded with us, Mitchell Brown, he called me the other night and he was so excited because, I don't know if you remember, he hated The Last Jedi in the same way. Big Star Wars Theory fan, did not was not happy with the way Luke went, the whole Rose situation, the whole candle all that stuff frustrated him. He watched it the other night and he loved it. And he was telling me all his new points of why he thinks it's brilliant and like he was totally changed. And it wasn't because he watched another YouTube channel. It was just he it had been a while since he'd watched it last. And I was like, ooh, we need to bring him on to see talk about changes in perspective. Mm. So that'll be fun. I'm I'm happy for him. <laughs> I'm happy for him. All right. Well, my rating for the season overall is I definitely think you should watch it. People, tell your family to watch it. I mean, it's not for everybody because animated shows aren't for everybody. There's still going to be people who yeah. are like, eh, it's for kids. Animated stuff is for kids, right? Well, yeah. if you think that, 
just know you're missing out on some good Star Wars. There is some great Star Wars in here, and mm-hmm. it's not at all the traditional lightsaber stuff that you think. There's not a lightsaber in the entire season. Well, except for first episode. Episode one. That's it. Isn't that right? Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any. I don't, I don't no, think there's we didn't any get No, we don't get any Force users except for, um, of course, Kanan and his master. And then is there any other Jedi that are shown being murdered? Nope. Murdered. 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 Um, Calypso. <laughs> murdered. <laughs> I love it. I love <laughs> we, our, our references are so insane. Cause anyway. <laughs> um, so other than that, this is not the type of Star Wars that, you know, we grew up on. It is such a good look at, like, you know, normal type of characters who are basically fling trying to survive doing jobs you know yeah. they're, they're trying to get their friend back they're trying to save their friend from the empire they're trying to convince him that he's making a mistake they're trying to change his mindset they're not losing hope for him and even when he basically denies them right here they're still hoping that maybe one day they can actually change his mind and convince him to join them um and he's their brother i like that aspect that's that's the familiar part of star wars what do you think yeah, I, I think the the familiar part, the 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 father daughter relationship of Omega and and Hunter is my favorite part of the show. I know for a lot of people it's the brotherly aspect, but of the of the other of the other clones of Crosshair of Hunter of Wrecker. But to me, the father daughter stuff is the best, and they've they've hit that quite a bit. They didn't really hit that this episode, but uh, they have hit that throughout the season very well. Mm. I hope that they'll explore some deeper familial themes yeah. and, and go into more of more of the weighty stuff in the future. They certainly did not do a bad job in season one. Mm-hmm. And man, I, I wish that some of these level, you know, some of these places we'd gone to, I could like run around them in like a Star Wars in a game. world game or yeah. something and just explore yeah. and, and fight and do that fun stuff. Um, so, that's where I stand on season one of Bad Batch. I am thrilled that we get to do weekly reviews of it. I hate that last week is the one that I missed. I was moving, so didn't get yeah. to. That was that was the reason that we had a, a guest on, and uh, y'all did a great job, by the way. But oh, that thanks. episode would have been so much fun for me because I had a lot of thoughts, and I yeah. didn't get to share them. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, we're excited to continue the podcast because in the future, coming up for you, we're going to have some great book reviews. One of the ones yeah. that's coming out soon, well, we've, we've got two that are finished and then mm-hmm. one more to, to be teasing. So coming on the pipeline very, very shortly, you're going to have Inferno Squad review by, um, is that by Christy Golden? By Christy Golden. Yes. And with, with, with Trent, our, uh, with Trent. our good guest. My good bearded friend who... Uh, every, every time we include him, we have to have an exclamation point at the end. Trent! Trent! Jump! Trent, his, he, I'll just spoil a lot of you. He's becoming, um, he's becoming a book nerd thanks to Jonathan. Yay! He's, he's, a big, he's a big fan. He's really enjoying those. And shortly after that, we're going to have a review of um, Dark Disciple, which is a phenomenal book. Uh, the Dark Disciple takes place, of course, um, Clone Wars era, follows Quinlan Voss and and uh, Asajj Ventress. We'll have that review coming for you down the pipeline, as well as, if I get down to editing it, uh, our discussions <laughs> with James of the soundtrack 
from um, The Phantom Menace. I just yeah. I just blanked for a minute. So we're going to have our top ten tracks from that. And uh, as and soon as those things... And we have more after that. Oh, yeah. We get plenty more after that. But we will also be doing very shortly Visions. I cannot wait for Visions. I think it's um, first of September. So we're about three weeks away. It's early September, yeah. Early September. It's not the first, but it's, yeah, early. Early yeah. September. Very, very soon. And, yeah, we've got even more after that. So I'm excited for that. So um, we will continue yeah. the podcasting. And uh, after, after Visions, do a few things, and then we will get on to Book of Boba Fett. Cannot wait for that. Coming in December. Okay. What are you humming? I can't tell. I could The Book of Boba Fett theme from uh from Mandalorian. Go back and go back and watch the the announcement that they did for Book of Boba Fett and you'll see the Anyway. I think it's just you're not a good singer. I'm kidding. No, it's it's the fact that if you've seen my musicals that I've been in, you you're already a great singer. You're a great singer. It's the dirt, dirt, dirt. It's hard to it's hard to make. Yeah, it's hard to tell. All right, so you can find us on Simplecast, <laughs> and you can find us on iTunes and Google Play, and uh, uh, you can find us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. You can find our Facebook page, Two Sons of Tatooine, where you can like, share, and uh, leave a comment. We'll talk back with you. Um, and we will not talk back to you. We will be respectful. Um, <laughs> we'll talk back with you. Uh, I'm tired. Uh, it's been a long day. And then, <laughs> and then you can find my Star Trek book reviews at Roku Depot. But until next time, I'm Jonathan. And I am Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. And thank you for listening to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine.